On and off the field, women in sports are inspiring and motivating others to be the best versions of themselves, rewriting the rules and changing the game. This is the On Her Turf podcast, hosted by Katherine Tappen. Welcome to the On Her Turf podcast. I'm Katherine Tappen. Thank you so much for joining us this episode, one that I am really excited about because today we are chatting with USA hockey captain Megan Duggan. She led Team USA to an historic gold medal win in South Korea at the Winter Olympics last year that we all remember. She also has two other Olympic medals, both silver, and to add to this wonderful collection of hers, Megan has represented the United States at eight women's world championships, capturing seven gold medals and one silver medal. She's also one of my favorite people to run into at various sporting events and awards ceremonies. So, Megan, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm super excited to be a part of this. I mean, first off, where the heck do you keep all that hardware? <laughs> That's the number one question. Um, <laughs> right now, it's usually just in a sock drawer or, you know, a desk drawer or something like that and easily accessible. Um, I think the big thing for me is always being able to share my medals. Um, it was advice that was given to me a long time ago by um, actual role model of mine, Angela Ruggiero. Um, told us in 2010, you know, let people hold the medals, let people put them on, take pictures with them. Um, so that's been something that, you know, I've always wanted to have them, always have wanted to have them readily available. Um, and uh, so I keep them close by. That is so cool. I love that. And I mean, anybody that even gets to see or touch or or be in the presence of those medals and you guys, by the way, um, you really feel the the you feel the enthusiasm, you feel the pride um, and seeing those medals in person. I mean, there's nothing like that. And not a lot of people get the opportunity to do that. So good on you guys for sharing them. Share the wealth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for us, our team's journey and our story is so unique and it's so personal to all of us and so emotional. Um, but I think what makes it that way is um, all of the people that have been involved along the way. Um, you know, whether it's kids that we've coached or mentored along the way that have always shown up at our games and supported us, um, you know, families, friends, fans, things like that. Uh, play a huge role in the ups and downs, you know, the heartbreak and the celebration that our team has been through over the years. And so that's the number one thing we just want. It's everyone has a piece in it. And so being able to share the medals, um, I think, is really important to all of us. It's been such an incredible year for you, Megan, 2018, that is now that we've turned the page to 2019. I mean, you've have you had a chance to really process everything that has transpired for you both personally and professionally? Yeah, I think I'm still slowly processing it all. Um, It's definitely been a whirlwind. I said, um, you know, to one of my friends the other day, I can't believe it's already almost been a year uh, since South Korea. And that just blows my mind. The year has gone by in a flash, obviously filled with, um, you know, incredible events and appearances and all sorts of great things for our team, celebration for our team. Um, And then, as you mentioned, a great year for me personally, Um, one, achieving those goals with my team, but um, getting married and and starting that next chapter of my life has has certainly been exciting too. Well, let's go back to South Korea. Uh, I mean, for me, probably it was the greatest game I have ever had the privilege of being a part of, hosting our studio coverage there for that gold medal win, USA over Canada, being inside that rink. 
I mean, clinching my jaw, just like the millions that were at home watching the game in the wee hours in the morning in the U.S. and Canada. And I was getting text messages thinking, my gosh, these people are awake. It's 2.30, 3.30 in the morning. But you beat Canada in the shootout to capture the first gold medal for USA women's hockey in 20 years. You ended Canada's streak of four consecutive Olympic gold medals. Take me back to what it was like to play in that game. Yeah, I mean, you got my heart pounding right now. I think just talking about it. But um, even before I get into that, I think one of our team's favorite videos, and I think I shared this with you along the way, but one of our favorite videos that we saw was um, actually a video of you and JR celebrating in the <laughs> yes. booth when our team won. Um, that went around our bus like wildfire. And just oh, the support you guys so have given us. Thank you. That was funny. amazing. And it, that was very fun to watch. Um He's but, a nut. I, mean, I never know what he's going to come up with when we're standing yeah. next to him. So he I just mean, me ripped either. me up. With, I mean, I thought he snapped my spine, but he was so excited. We were both so <laughs> excited for you. But um, so that was pure passion and pure love for what you guys did. But so so go ahead. What was that like for you to play in that game? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I look at pictures from that moment. I replayed over and over in my head a million times. It was the literally the single greatest feeling in the entire world. Just all the emotions and the passion, the tears, you know, the hugs, the way that our team just kind of embraced each other on the ice with our families and even celebrating together afterwards in the locker room. It was truly a moment that was about our team, our program, our country, everything that we had been through. I mean, our, our team has stood for so much along the way in terms of women's empowerment and equalizing the playing field and things like that. And it was truly just the culmination of so much hard work, so much sacrifice, truly laying everything out on the line. And it was quite the storybook ending. I mean, I don't think I would want to go back into a shootout, but when you're a young <laughs> kid and you're dreaming of winning an Olympic gold medal, um, you know, you don't dream of a 6 nothing game. You dream of that you know, those buzzer beaters or um, the golden goals and things like that. And um, it was truly like a, a game out of a dream. Um, and it's, it's changed all of our lives forever um, in a great way. Uh, not only that game, but I think what our team and, and all the players that are a part of the team have the opportunity to then do afterwards um, in terms of changing the world and using, you know, the success uh, for positive. Yeah, I mean, you guys have certainly taken this platform and absolutely run with it to be an inspiration for women everywhere, and not just women, but young girls, young boys, anybody playing this sport or looking to achieve dreams. And I'm going to get into that in a second, but I want to go back because you talk about the shootout. And, I mean, everybody was just fixated on the ice at that point. So I want to go back, though, because after the disappointment of 2014 in Sochi, which was my first Olympics to cover, and that's really where I got to know a lot of you guys, and you guys were training in Boston, and I, and so I was really starting to get invested in this team and get to know you guys personally, and you guys captured silver there, which for all of us back in the U.S., we're so proud, but I know for you guys as athletes, that's not the ultimate goal. And there were tears on the ice afterwards. I mean, Megan, I just remember them streaming out of your beautiful blue eyes. Um, just really <laughs> affected me, first Olympics, but also, you know, it affected the whole nation and we saw that disappointment. So now you go to South Korea, the game is going into a shootout. Were you thinking at any point, not again? <laughs> you know what? I've been asked that question um, a couple of times and it's it's interesting. Obviously, yeah, 2014 was devastating for us. Um, you know, gone through that and, and talked about it, why you feel that heartache. And, you know, there's, there's so much emotion and passion that goes into it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we fell short of our ultimate goal um, to achieve a gold medal. And it was heartbreaking. Um, 
our team went through between 14 and 18, our team went through a bit of a transformation process, a rebuilding and rediscovery process. Um, you know, for those of us that had been around and gone through two Olympics and come up short of our ultimate goal as a group and as a program, we had to start looking ourselves in the mirror a little bit and asking those hard questions. Why is this happening? What can we do more? Um, you know, clearly there's something that we're missing. And so we spent those four years really rediscovering ourselves as a program and, and transforming the way that we played, the way that we saw the game, you know, our relationships, everything. And part of that transformation and working with, um, you know, one of our mental skills coaches, um, we, we went back to that, that hard time in Sochi. We visualized it. We talked about it. And, um, you know, we walked through, okay, fast forward to Pyeongchang and you're, you know, you're down a goal. Seconds are ticking down are you thinking, don't let this happen again? And we worked mentally hard at that. Um, you know, we put ourselves in a place that when we got to the game, if we were in a position like that, we wouldn't let our minds go there. Um, and we spent a ton of time working on that exact thing that you just asked. Don't let your mind go there. Think about something else. Find a different focus. Um, and we spent a ton of time doing so. So I think, you know, people talk a lot about the game being mental and certainly emotional and everything that we've been through. You can see all of that. Um, so we really had to dive into that mental aspect of the game and our training during those four years. I think that is so cool. I mean, there's so much discussion about what you guys go through physically and the practices and the grueling training regimen and the diets that you guys have to, you know, really keep yourselves on a strict regimen with all of that. But the mental aspect of the game, and it's easy to say, oh, you have to be mentally tough, but you actually have to practice that. You have to teach it. You have to have coaches that teach you the mental side of the game as much as you do the physical side of the game. And I think for anything in life, that's such an important message that, you know, our mental health is just as important as our physical health and, and it all comes together to make us who we are. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I think as I've matured as an athlete and had all sorts of different experiences, highs and lows, um, you know, when I was 18, 19 years old, having someone tell me to focus on the mental side of the game, I didn't understand it as much. Mm -hmm. I had just always loved playing hockey uh, been successful at it, and I was just going to stick to the X's and O's. But as I've gotten older and kind of matured in my career, um, I've seen firsthand and learned a lot about the effects that, you know, your mentality and that mental side of the game can have on your performance. Um, and it's something that, like I said, our team really dove into. I'm an athlete that truly believes in it, um, and, you know, it, it helps. We've seen it. So uh, it's definitely – it's not easy. It's not as measurable um, as, say, you know, fitness testing. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's a lot of power in it. No, oh, no question. So, okay, weeks after the South Korea gold medal win was insane for you guys. I mean, weeks, months, a year later, it still is. But those first couple days and weeks, I mean, I'm following you guys on all your social media platform, and I'm exhausted from the comforts of my home and my schedule. I couldn't keep up. I mean, all these appearances you guys had all around the country, and, you know, it, w it was incredible, and everyone's supporting you, and you're on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and you're making appearances. You're throwing out first pitches at Fenway Park in the summer. Um, um, take me back to the best moment for you guys in that post-Olympic ride. What stands out to you most, Megan? It's so hard to pinpoint the best moment out of all of that. As you said, our post-Olympic tour, um, I almost can't even, we were in a different night or a different city, different hotel on a plane, <laughs> know, it's crazy. Um, you know, what seemed like every night of the week for, for those two weeks after. But um, the number one thing that sticks out to me, First of all, is that we just did it together. We went everywhere together in this huge mass. 
Um, and that was something that was really important to us. There was talk early on, you know, we're going to send players here while players are here and some players are going to be here. And our group, as we have done everything, we wanted to do it together. And being able to kind of globetrot um, city to city, I mean, we were hanging out in New York City taxi cabs. We were on the top of the Empire State Building. But everywhere we went, we went as this, this huge united group. Um, and that's the way that we've done everything and a huge reason why we've been able to be successful. Um, so I would say, first and foremost, that that's something that sticks out to me. And when I look back at some of those pictures, I think we, we look crazy in our jerseys all over the country. But um, <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. And then um, I think the second thing is throughout that tour, as you mentioned, I mean, we were on Ellen, we were on Fallon. Um, we had so many experiences that I'll never forget. But being able to, um, in all those cities we were in, run youth clinics for young girls um, was one of the coolest things I think we did. We were in Washington, D.C., um, and we went to one rink that, you know, USA Hockey set this up. There was hundreds of young girls in there. We were on the ice. We were They were running around the lobby. Um, mm. It was unbelievable. They were just so excited to see us, so excited to go on the ice with us. And I think in each city that we went, um, same thing. We were in L.A. We joined up with the L.A. Lions Girls Youth Hockey Program. Again, hundreds of girls in this one room to just for us to spend time with. Those are some of the things I think that stick out to me the most. And that is going to continue, Megan, what you guys, those footprints, I mean, the imprints that you made on everybody along the way. I mean, these these young girls are going to grow up and no matter what they do in life, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember the strength you guys have. Um, I mean, I love I love that you mentioned that and the united group that you guys are. I mean, it's so fun to see you guys when you when you make your appearances, whether it's one of you, 10 of you, 15 of you. It's it's just awesome. You bring that spirit, that positivity, that empowerment. It's so cool. Um, you mentioned earlier the the transformation you guys went through from Sochi 2014 to South Korea 2018. And part of that transformation involved in 2017 when you and your teammates threatened to sit out the International Ice Hockey Federation World Championship unless – USA Hockey agreed to give you equal treatment to the men's team. That includes pay, but it also includes the same equipment, the same staff, per diems, publicity, travel, you name it. You guys wanted to be on the same point, and you guys won. It was an incredible fight. Uh, It was really historic, groundbreaking. When you look back to that time, what was the biggest challenge that you endured in that entire undertaking that you took on to fight for equal pay? Yeah, I mean, that was... um Certainly everyone on our team has a, a laundry list of, of goals they've achieved um, individually and as a group, obviously winning an Olympic gold medal. Um, but I think if you ask anyone on our team, going through that together, being able to make those changes um, is without question our most proud moment. Uh, it certainly is for me, and I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone, but based on how well I know the girls and how important that was to us, it certainly was our, our proudest moment. Um, I think when I when I look back at that time, it, it all seems like a blur. Um, I certainly, you know, when it was very public in the media and when we were kind of going at it pretty intensely, I don't think I ate or slept for what seemed like a year, but a couple oh of weeks. Um, I think the, the biggest challenge was the unknown. Um, we had, you know, we'd been having these private conversations behind closed doors with USA Hockey for over a year. And boycotting the world championship had always been that last straw that we hoped we wouldn't have to get to. But when we weren't able to make any significant progress over those, you know, 12, 13, 14 months with them behind closed doors, we knew that that was the critical next step. 
and we all kind of looked each other in the eye, had each other's backs, and took that step. And I think taking that step, there was a lot of fear involved. I mean, their first reaction was to bring scab players in. And as difficult as that was, I think continuing to just kind of sit in that unknown and push for what we knew was important and knew was right, but meant more to us than going to play in that tournament. Uh, but it was scary. I mean, we had to continually as players keep communicating, keep talking through everything, making sure no one had any unanswered questions or any you know fears that they were keeping to themselves because um, like I said, the most difficult part in that was, was the unknown. Where is this going to go? Are we going to play? You know, hosting a world championship is, um, is an honor. And it's, it's so exciting. It's our Stanley Cup every year. So mm-hmm. to put that on, on the line um, was, was incredibly difficult for us, but meant the world to us at the same time. You talk so much about the mental aspect of the game, and I want to kind of dive into what the mental aspect was like for you going through that because anybody that's been through a negotiation, I mean, some people have it in their blood that they're really good at it. I don't have that. (laughs) For me, it's what you said. It's scary. It's scary. There's a lot of fear. You take things personally. Um, Negotiations are really, really hard, and you guys, as you mentioned, you're putting your Stanley Cup on the line with this negotiation, what were some of the things that you were telling yourself during that time, you know, to try and give yourself the positivity, to get yourself through it? Um, no, you didn't, you didn't know the outcome. It was very scary. But what did you try to tell yourself each day to get yourself through that? Yeah, I mean, it was scary. Um, it was interesting. I learned a lot about negotiations and the law as we went through that whole process. Um, I actually remember calling my sister-in-law when once we were done. She's a lawyer, and I I said, I don't know how you do this all the time. <laughs> and, know. you know, maybe I want to be a lawyer because it, there was a little bit of adrenaline in it, too. Um, and we had a fantastic team in, in Ballard Spar that represents us. And they were incredible about informing us and teaching us everything along the way. I mean, this wasn't something that we went into blindly. As I mentioned, we had been working on it for over a year. So we were we were armed and we knew the information um, uh, from that side of it. But in terms of, um, you know, being able to walk through those scary times and stay confident and positive, I think we knew that this needed to be done. And we knew that groups in the past had tried and been unsuccessful. And we believed in looking around the room, looking at some of our leadership, that this this was the group that was going to get it done. And if we didn't get it done, then who would? And it was up to us to make those sacrifices. It was up to us to kind of take on that fear and that unknown. And um, and really, as with anything, we just used each other. Um, there, as I mentioned earlier, there were doubts along the way, and um, not doubts, but you know, hey, can you explain this to me? Or I'm a little nervous. I'm a little scared. I want to go to the World Championships, and we just continued to talk about all that as players, and just said, you know. Let's trust each other. Let's trust this movement. Um, trust our lawyers. And this has to be done, and we're the group to do it. So we believed wholeheartedly in every single point that we were fighting for, and we weren't going to stop until we saw them all through. Well, you did that, and then you go on and you win a gold medal. I mean, just uh, it's just an incredible story, and, and you guys really set the bar high with everything you've achieved and, and fighting for what you believe in. Um, and you can hear it in your voice, Megan, and anybody that knows you knows that you're, you are this strong, you're positive, you are um, competitive. So I, I kind of want to go back to growing up um, and where you, get, where you got that from. You grew up in Danvers, Massachusetts, which is right outside of downtown Boston, 
You attended Cushing Academy. You excelled in all the sports, um, named the school's top female athlete three years in a row, soccer, lacrosse, softball. I'm sure on the side you were doing anything you could get your hands on um, <laughs> in, your free, in your free time. How did playing sports at a young age shape you as an individual? You know, I've been so fortunate along the way to have so many great mentors, whether through sport or school or family, all combined. I think my biggest support system, my biggest cheering section, you know, why I am who I am has always been my mom and dad. I come from a big, large, Irish, fiery, full of personality family. (laughs) And I think from day one, that was instilled in me. I mean, my mom and I joke now, she's my best friend in the whole world. And we joke now about this personality I have now is the same personality I had when I was a three-year-old and imagine how difficult that was for her. (laughs) Um, But she knew, you know, she knew one day that I would use my personality um, for something good. And my parents just continued to kind of foster that and support me and my growth in, in leadership and um, you know, in sports and, you know, character and all that. Um, They supported me going, I went away to boarding school um, as you mentioned at Cushing Academy, where um, I, I jumped into multiple sports and I had great coaches along the way. I had great teammates and, um, you know, just continue to try to learn from everyone to be the best athlete, the best person, the best student um, that I could be. And I think for me, sports, I've always loved team sports because I think they challenge you in so many different ways. I think growing into a leader of team sports brings its own unique challenges as well and having to manage groups and look out for the greater good of the team. You know, make sure everyone's happy at the same time, make sure everyone's accountable. And I've certainly had my leadership challenged along the way, but it's only helped me to grow in a bunch of different areas. So I, I'm so biased. I think sports are the greatest thing in the world for anyone to be a part of in any capacity. Um, they teach us so much, and I'm just so thankful that my parents, you know, saw as a young kid I had these lifelong goals and dreams, and they just continued to support them. Um, you know, positively, they encouraged me to be whoever I wanted to be, and um, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that. Well, I 100% agree with you there on sports being the absolute best thing, uh, you know, playing sports my whole life too. Not not quite achieving what you've achieved, but at some point, uh, it definitely instills that sense of confidence in you and um, gives you a sense of pride and you meet new people. And even now, just picking up recreational sports, I mean, you meet new people all the time on the golf course, wherever it may be. Um, but, you know, throughout the course of this path of yours, what's what's the number one message that you try to convey to young women and grown women like me who, who really look up to you and see this sense of leadership and this sense of courage and empowerment? What's the number one message you like to tell young folks? I think for me, it's, um, it's literally so simple, but it's, you know, find a dream, create a dream, set a goal for yourself and do everything you can to achieve it. When I watched the 98 team play, I was, you know, 11 years old at the time, and that was the first time women's ice hockey had been in the Olympics. I was a huge hockey fan. You know, I didn't know that girls played hockey before that point. I grew up idolizing, you know, Ray Bork as a local Boston kid, and that was the first time that I truly saw women competing on this world stage. They won a gold medal, and one of the girls came back, spoke at an event in my hometown. I got to meet her, put her medal on take pictures with her. And from that moment, I had that dream. I had that goal. I wrote it in every notebook I had. I drew the Olympic rings on everything. 
And I really was on a mission. That mission was certainly supported by people in my life. And like I said, I'm very thankful for that. But I found that dream and that goal um, I had set for myself, and I, I didn't stop till I achieved it. Um, you know, it took me 20 years to win that gold medal that I, I wanted to achieve from when I was 11 years old, but um, I never stopped. And everything along the way just contributed to um, helping to achieve that goal. That's incredible. You never gave up. I love that. Uh, I mentioned earlier it's been a big year for you. You also got married in September, so congratulations on that. You married uh, your longtime partner, Jillian Apps, who happens to own three Olympic gold medals for Team Canada. So uh, rivals on the ice, partners for life. We talk a lot on this podcast about balancing life and balancing our careers and how the partners we choose have to really support us in all of these endeavors. So what is the dynamic like for your relationship? What, what makes it work between you and Jillian? <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a unique dynamic, um, you know, outside of the hockey world, whether people understand it or not, you know, it is what it is. But for us, we've always separated hockey and in the beginning when we were vying against each other or something like that. But I think when you find that person that you enjoy being with every single day, can't imagine your life without there's nothing that can come in the way. I mean, we joke now about rivalries and um, and things like that, but uh, we're both incredibly supportive of each other in, in every way possible. And um, yeah, it's, it's certainly uh, it's an exciting household when it comes to uh, Olympic medals. Yeah, you must have a lot of sock drawers to keep all those Olympic medals <laughs> in. You mentioned you keep them in the sock drawers. Yeah, yeah. No, we're we're certainly very fortunate, and uh, yes. A lot of sock drawers for the medals. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I recently saw you at the Winter Classic, and you were doing uh, where your Boston Bruins, by the way, beat the Chicago Blackhawks. So I know you're super excited about that (laughs) to ring in the new year. But here you are. You're hosting Facebook Live. You're doing some NHL.com segments. Um, You know, you're with Adam Burrish of the Chicago Blackhawks uh, doing some analysis. So it kind of got me thinking, like, what might be next for you? I know I don't know what the immediate future holds for you, but you can tell us now um, regarding on-ice stuff. But then what are your goals going forward after that? Yeah, it's um, that's like the million-dollar question for me right now is, um, you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, future plans and things like that. Right now, I'm still um, still in the player's mindset and, um, you know, want to continue playing. And I think when you get that taste for gold uh, the one time, it's, it's you know, you want to go back for more and more. I love my team so much and love being together with everyone. So that's certainly um, the present focus right now. But, you know, having the opportunity uh, this past week with the NHL at the Winter Classic uh, was new to me. As I mentioned to you, I'm, I've never been on that side of the microphone or the questions or anything like that. But... Um, I certainly enjoyed it. And, you know, I said to some of the people I was working with and certainly Adam that um, it was an honor to be there. And I loved doing it. It, You know, it's something that I would love to be involved in in the future uh, with some more practice. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I've been very fortunate to have some incredible opportunities and experiences over the last year at least. And I'm really just looking forward to enjoying a couple months of married life, continuing to play and train and be the best role model and advocate for girls and women that I can. Time with family and friends and things like that along the way as well. So we'll see. I'm excited for what the future holds um, for sure. Maybe yeah, I can well, shadow we- you sometime. Yeah, oh, my gosh. My, please, be my pleasure. I, I would love to have you on board. But um, we know whatever you're going to do, you're going to be successful. You're going to continue to inspire us. I, I really look forward to seeing that next step. I've seen the, you know, the path that A.J. Malesko and, and you know, Cameron Granado and everybody have done um, 
you know, paving the way, kind of getting into sports broadcasting, whatever it might be that you want to do, whether you want to do play-by-play or hosting. I mean, it, it'd be it'd be great, and I look forward to seeing that next step. But I also look forward to seeing you on the ice a little bit more, maybe another gold medal. We'll see. Uh, no pressure, but, of course, you're just such a fun player to watch. <laughs> we don't want to see that go anytime soon, so keep doing what you're doing. Um, Megan, at the end of the podcast, we usually do a couple fun questions, uh, kind of off-the-cuff stuff, but get a little personal here. Um, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, I am so all over the place when it comes to music. Um, I like everything. I would say um, my friends and family would say I love country the most, and I do love country, um, but I get into everything. Indie, you know, singer-songwriter, a little hip-hop every once in a while. Nice. Um, So definitely a (laughs) montage. I hear you. I'm kind of the same way. Uh, What's your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure? Uh, Maybe binge-watching a Netflix show. Um, I love to, I love to read and, um, you know, be active and be outside all the time and, um, you know, do all the good stuff. But every once in a while I'm in for a good, you know, five hour Netflix and chill, uh, moment. Any, any any particular Netflix show that you've seen that you really liked? Oh, geez. So many. I mean, I could get caught watching all of season one of friends from the beginning. Sometimes that's one of my favorites. (laughs) I think we all could. Um, recently I've watched, uh, the blacklist. Uh, which is oh, pretty, yes. pretty interesting. It's kind of a, yeah, a page turner of shows, if you will. Nice. Your Bruins had the uh, the Peaky Blinders th- Peaky kind of tribute. For the, yeah. yeah, when they wore their, that. they that look great walking cool. into the, yeah, walking into the Winter Classic. Um, what do you like yeah. to do to relax? I mean, here you are competing, you're training, you're doing all this stuff. Do you like to read? Do you like to do yoga? What do you like to do? I love to read. I've actually, you know, invested in a bunch of new books lately and excited to read them all it's definitely something that relaxes me and then other than that I love to be outside so um, you know with hockey you're inside a lot you're in the gym a lot Um, anything I can do outside whether it's you know biking playing golf playing tennis um, living up in the you know mountains in the woods here up in New Hampshire right now being outside in the walking on the trails or you know running through the woods um, I love that as well really uh relaxes me i guess being outdoors yeah oh that's awesome you're in a perfect place for it as well up in new hampshire so much beauty in that state um finally what is the top item on your bucket list right now oh wow that's a great question top item on my bucket list i would love to travel to india that's something that's been on my bucket list for a while i love to travel i've been to some really cool places through sport um and for fun but India is a place that intrigues me, I think, one, because I love fresh, authentic Indian food. Um, But I've just heard a lot of of great things, and uh, I would love to explore that country at some point. All right. Very good answer. Well, Megan, uh, we have so enjoyed having you here on the On Her Turf podcast. We wish you continued success in 2019 and beyond. Uh, It's always fun chatting with you, so I appreciate you taking your time. And uh, I look forward to seeing you at some point down the road. I know we, we bump into each other quite often. So I look forward to that next encounter. Thanks, Megan. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This is a great podcast to be a part of. I'm honored uh, to be chosen. So thank you very much. Our thanks to Olympic gold medalist Megan Duggan. You can download the On Her Turf podcast wherever you download your podcasts. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. And also be sure to follow us on Instagram at On Her Turf. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. And be sure to join us next time for the On Her Turf podcast.